1: on ESPN Radio and so am I. This is the Daniel Baldwin show.
0: Welcome to the big show. Wow. Wow, what a show we have in store for you today, my friends. Um Polly the Mole sitting to my right. Caract Josh sitting down, just walked in the door. <laughs> nice you to join us? What, what, yeah, nice to be. Mm-hmm. You were occupied. Huh?
2: I'm not going to pull the
0: curtain back, but you were occupied. Wow. Yeah, with a special treat in Segment 3 with uh, Coach McNamara in the house uh, giving him uh, uh, some love. I like that. You. Um, did you guys see this game last night?
2: Oh, it's so good. Oh my God.
0: Do you have uh, the audio?
2: Could, Do you want the audio? Yes, <laughs> I From the gun.
1: Rivers pulls the trigger. Near side. call. Williams touchdown Los Angeles Phillip Rivers a strike this crowd is stunned
0: you know I gotta tell you Los
1: Angeles is going for two they're going for the win with four seconds left a two-point try to take the lead in Kansas City 28 27 Chiefs Chargers working out of the gun rivers He's got the snap. He looks. He floats it. Enzo's wide open. Mike Williams has got it. Philip Rivers puts it exactly where it needed to be.
0: That she said. Okay. So, first of all, you know, sometimes I listen uh, more carefully than other times uh, to the announcing. <clears throat> this year, one of the first notes after I just listened to that I want to say is some of the worst announcing I've ever heard in the history of the NFL. For that announcer to close that play with Philip Rivers puts it right where it needs to be, I could have taken the ball and drop kicked it to him. He was that wide open. How about the fact that there was no one within 10 yards of this of this receiver to win the game on the last play of the... I mean... And he had just scored. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... So ridiculous, the blown coverage and what happened. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about it was is that the Chargers coach never has there. He left the f- team out there before a timeout was called. He knew he was going for two. He knew something. They had this play ready, for sure. And he was wide open. I mean, it was it's, was so ridiculous how open he was. To win the game, and let up 15 points in the last four minutes to just turn this team. I felt so bad for Mahomes. Uh, but you know what? It showed... It showed that they're they're vulnerable, man. You know, to let up that, that kind of wood in the last four minutes and lose a big game. That was a big game. Chargers clinched to boot. Chargers, did you know Philip Rivers has nine kids? He has nine kids?
1: Puts it exactly where it needed to be. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a lot of kids. Wow. Sorry, I, well, that's that the it.
0: first thing I thought of. When I that. Yeah. Does it just go to show you where we child. are in our yeah. where we are in our worlds that I'm turning and going? How could this announcer say he was so wide open? And Paulie, Bill of course,
1: of rivers <laughs> puts it exactly where it needed to be.
0: Oh, that's just terrifying. That's terrifying. Nine of go. them, Maroon Five, cannot find someone to open up for them at the Super Bowl. Because of the protest with Colin Kaepernick or so. At least this is the excuse that's coming out right now. I'm finding that very hard to believe. Do you think it's just because people don't want to be associated with Maroon 5? (laughs) You know what? I don't know what Maroon 5's been up to off the court. But uh, um, I'm, I'm sure there's some really big names... Uh, that would like to come on and perform and promote their new album. Or... Well, they,
2: they, there's a bunch of people that passed the Super Bowl, right? Well, you know, they're Florida obviously. Atlanta, you
0: know, isn't uh, uh, is Maroon Five that big? Isn't, isn't, yeah. Isn't, isn't, oh yeah. Yeah, Maroon Five big. Well, because he's on that show too, so he's on the Voice. But like,
2: yeah, but they got they've got hits out right now. You 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 go on the I, I,
0: I always think of harder. to L- Listen, breathe. listen. If you're on a prime time TV series that mm-hmm. get that has voting, we uh, want more proof of it. Donald Trump is the president of the United sure. States, right? So you know, if he decided to do, uh, uh, you know, who the number one singer for a decade was in Germany, Hasselhoff, David Hasselhoff. Yeah,
1: go. this is one of their older
0: ones too. It's, it's the right. only one I know. <laughs> well, here, here, so, so when I talk about the different people that I've met, and you know, legendary rock stars, and and blah blah, blah that. You know, I could call up and I could go see a show. So I say to Robin, I go, "What show do you want to go to? Well, let's take a look at what's playing at Spac or what's playing wherever." And um, her and her daughter, Maroon Five, like like they were t- ten years old. Well, this mm-hmm. dude, squealing, screaming—he's a handsome man. Whatever is like, I like whatever Adam. his name is, Adam Levine. Adam is. Levine. Yeah, is he hitting from our side of the plate?
3: Yes, He is? Okay, yeah.
2: Isn't he? He's married to a supermodel. Oh. Yes. Is yeah, is he? Well, yeah, he's doing just I'm, fine. Yeah. Okay. He's doing just. Don't
0: right. don't don't get me started. I He's find
3: right. it hard to breathe around Adam Levine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Adam and O'Dale. Oh my God! <laughs> Eli could film it. I would oh, vote for him. I'm dizzy.
3: <laughs> hey, uh, where did it all go? What speaking of him, why why is the sign down for how when the last day there was an F up? Because what? they don't know
2: they they're, they're debating what the answer is out there. They thought they were told to put it back to zero because you heard an F up on the air. And they did, and then someone is out there saying, well, why'd you throw the numbers away? That's what I gathered on the way in. All
0: right, but it's down
3: to zero. It's yeah, back to the, zero, But yeah. the zero was already it's up, so to today should be one. Yeah, Don't so they I have think to get through today, or did they get through all day yesterday? They got through all day yesterday, but so it's I, was, back to one. I was driving home the right, other night and uh, listening to the Crunch game, and all of a sudden a commercial started playing right in the middle of him calling a girl. <laughs>
0: Welcome to friendly ice cream. Yeah, right. (laughs) Literally like that. Over right over the top of them. Well, was it playing uh, uh, simultaneously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you, if you listen carefully in between the crunches of the potato chip that was being sold, yeah, you could hear the announcer saying, "Okay, well, that's really maybe it was like a stroke of genius about how to use utilize commercials more, and maybe maybe he's ahead during of his the time. action where yeah, you want to yeah. hear the
2: yeah. rare o- opportunity of a goal being scored and, and, want, and in I hockey wa- where there's only yeah. like an average of two <laughs> yeah, goals yeah, right. a game,
3: and I wasn't going to set it back because it because accidents happen. Okay, who but, was it? But it was during training, so it was my best board op
0: who was training somebody. Uh, who was it? Brandon. So Brandon made this mistake. Yes. So Brandon, he, is he, there anybody, anybody can create the zero. Yes. Wow. Yeah, anybody that's a, Now, is I that something he it? fires? He fires a button that does that commercial? Right there, that green button right there. Okay, so he fired it, not
3: realizing that... He it was- must have been showing them how to fire the commercial and hit uh, it while they were...
0: Momentary lapse of muscular coordination
3: happens.
2: It happens. Couple of foot Signed pounds my. per square inch. Foot pounds per square inch. Yeah, what is that? What are you quoting right now? I know it. Ah, I see, I'm it. waiting for
0: somebody to get it. He's quoting something right now.
3: Come, Come on. on. I didn't know who Adam Levine was.
0: So. <laughs> I, be- I believe that's Jack Nicholson in The Shining when he talks yes. about separating his kid's shoulder or elbow mm-hmm. that he pulled him a little too hard, and he he starts explaining it. I like it. I'm like, can we pull that up, please? Jack yeah. Nicholson, couple. Can you? I'll, I'll, I'll pull uh, it you up, said you had a, my phone. Then no. Do you? You said you had a story <laughs> you wanted to share today. I have a story I want to share today. Yeah. What do you mean? When I was talking with Mac? No, about. Oh God, I gotta tell you. So, I'm in Starbucks. I grab Polly occasionally because I'm a nice human being. I grab Polly a coffee and I grab my coffee. And I walk into the Starbucks here at Armory Square, and there's a guy, an African American kid. He couldn't have been 20, 21. And he's lying down on the ground, and he's in like almost a catatonic state. Like he's frozen. His eyes are squinted hard closed. So I knew immediately that it wasn't heroin. I've seen a lot of those overdoses. Um, but I figured it was either spike or spice, probably spike. And so there's this girl, and she's almost crying, you know, that works there. She's, you know, really fearful. And the people, when I walked in, there was two people in front of me who it was, do you walk in between his feet and the girl with the phone who's on with 911 or do you step over this kid's body? And, and two people consecutively stepped over his body. So I stopped with the girl and I said, do you need my help? And she said, no, I'm on with 911. I said, are you sure? She said, no, no, I'm fine. I looked down at him and then I turned around and I walked around him and I got on the line. And then I said, wait a minute, what am I doing? So I, I walked back and I took my coat off and I put it under his head and I laid down on the floor with him so I could get really close to him so when he, I knew when he'd opened his eyes he'd be startled. And sure enough, I went, hey, bro, bro, hey. I didn't touch him and his eyes opened and he was startled. He he, you know, snapped his head back and I said, do you know that you're on the floor in Starbucks right now? And so I started talking to him and I started, you know, uh, trying to communicate with him, and he started coming. And they sat up, and he wanted to stand up, which is very dangerous. Through now, now EMS pulls up, and evidently, you know, the guy that got out of there, big guy, with this girl, and uh, they knew him. They t- they according to him, they take him almost every day. But the number of people, because of where the body was situated, that were already online were ten. You know, so uh, I mean, uh, some twelve to fifteen people just stepped over this kid's body and didn't think to stop. We're we're so desensitized as a society now to this problem, uh, and I and you know I I spoke recently at a school, and uh, the turnout was very very low for as far as students were concerned, and I don't usually plan what I'm going to say, but when I got up there, I said, you know, I'm really pissed right now, I'm I'm upset that there aren't 200 kids in in this audience right now, and the parents didn't have their kids come and bring them down so you could hear me because because now I'm not going to talk about what I was going to talk about. Now I'm going to talk about uh, you know, the, the subject matter will be more catered towards what we need to do, not what the lesson that I need to teach these kids about how they can end up in this situation. But the thing that I took away from this morning was, you know what? It's just another day. Well, let me get my donut. Let me get my coffee. And I got to get to work by nine. And you know, yeah, th- oh yeah, that happened. There was a human being lying on the floor of the Starbucks and no one really knew what. I don't think they have my experience with this to know exactly what it probably was and where he was at and so on. So, but, but just, uh, I'm so taken aback how bad the problem is here in central New York and how many guys and girls that I put into recovery. And we have no facilities here. We have Tully Hill, which does the best they can and they, and, and, and they do a lot of good work up there, but it's nowhere near big enough. And then we've got Conifer Park, you know, which uh, uh, the Syracuse addition to Conifer Park is probably not as good. I don't think from what I'm hearing as, as they are in Albany. Um, but we need, you know, like a hundred bed, you know, a big place, uh, to address this issue. And what happens when you do it is you get the first 50 to a hundred sober and you, and you have a club for them to come to. And then there's a community of sobriety and then they can take the new guys under their wings and it spreads. And I've done this 14 times now in uh, California, Arizona, and Texas. Um, but man, if we don't do something soon. It's going to get so, so bad up here, and it's pretty bad now, but you know Oswego County, did you know this? Oswego County has the number one suicide rate in the state of New York, and it's cresting number one in the country for, for people between the ages of 15 and 25. Number one. I love living in Oswego County. I think it's a great place to live, great neighbors, a lot of good communities, churches and stores and the whole bit. Why are people killing themselves up here? Why? Why more than anywhere else in the state of New York are people taking their lives in Oswego County? And Onondaga is, you know, it's better, far better, but it's still got, it's got a huge drug problem. And you, when you start to turn around and talk about, and I'm not going to name the schools, but they know who they are, um, and, and, the, and they're from a higher socioeconomic place. They're scared to make the admission to their to the parents, the, the administrators are scared and they don't want to hear my message. They don't want me to really come to that school and lay it out for them and say, they're doing heroin in your bathroom. No, no they're not. So I've got, an, I've got a, a, a proposition that I made to a couple of uh, schools and I said, I'll tell you what, I've got a buddy who's with the FBI and, uh, and he'll show up on a Sunday. We don't have to tell anybody and he'll bring the dog and we'll sniff the lockers. Do you really want to know how many lockers he's going to sniff and he's going to point that tail at? Because it's going to be 20 or 30 lockers in a big school. He's, it's going to happen. They can smell the pills. They can smell the, the tar on the aluminum foil, the scraps, the syringes, all of it. The dog will be able to detect it. Now, do you really want to know that? And, of course, what I got back from both the administrators was, no, 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 we we, we can't do that. That's against the law. We'd be infringing. I said, we don't have to tell them. I want you to see how bad the problem is. No, there's, there's a pocket, maybe 10 kids in our school that might be involved in that. It's, if you don't want to know, you're not going to look at it. But when they get to me, they're already shooting heroin and either they're HIV or they've got Hep C or they've got other complications due to it. And I'm fighting for their life, telling the parents to carry a Narcan kit around in the glove compartment of their car, or their person, in the house. Because if you happen to come home and the kid's OD'd, that's your only line of defense to possibly bring them back. And then you're back to having me in your living room Trying to get the kid into recovery, so I think that the answer is um, that we need to build something here. Uh, I'm I'm looking into it now. Um, I'm I'm going to go to my friends out at Turning Stone and meet with uh, with Ray if he'll he'll see me. I know he's very very busy with all the things he does, but I'm reaching out to you on the radio, Ray. Um, You know you're 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 one of the few maverick guys from out here that really looks into the future i mean ray and what they've been able to do out there and the the things that they're on the cutting edge of doing out at the turning stone uh and and his vision of things and you know the interesting thing too is i've been getting a lot more calls in the last six to eight months um you know for people on the reservation for people of native american uh Ancestry, And, uh, you know, they have a, a really bad problem out there. The difference is take, they, they they focus on things and they try to take care of their people out there. I need us to try to take care of our people here. Uh, sorry that it's so non sportsish but it, it happened. So I figured I'd let you know about it. We'll be right back with So What. Oh,
1: taken... I'm so excited.
0: It's time for...
1: Uh, um, I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control and I just can't... Um... So What... It's unlistenable radio. You understand
0: me? Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now, and we're back, and we're going to play some So What. Josh, what do you got?
2: So What is brought to you by the Wildcats Sports Pub in Camillus. All the NFL and SEO action on their big screen TVs and delicious food to boot. Voted best sports pub in 2018 by the Syracuse New Time Raiders. To boot. Wildcats Sports Pub in Camillus. Well, the day after uh, we talked about USA Today and their college poll, their college bowl game predictions. They have ranked the Camping World Bowl as one of the top ten bowls to watch. They say it's going to be a fast-paced game centered on some great quarterback play. Even though we know that West Virginia's quarterback won't be playing, uh, they put it at number eight out of the forty-something bowls that we played.
3: No, even with Greer out, I don't see that.
0: You don't think it's going to be a good game? I think. Well, yeah, Syracuse's just- defense isn't great anyway. I mean, they, they rely a lot on outscoring their opponents, so. I don't imagine the backup of West Virginia must be pretty decent. So I still think they're going to throw thirty up against Syracuse. So it could be a fifty to thirty game. I
3: think. I actually think the Orange are going to squash them. Squash them. Yeah, because they don't want to be there.
0: Wow. Wow. They're going to phone it in. So with it's, pretty, their, much yeah. a, so it's mm-hmm. pretty much a so what to you then?
3: Yes, basically. <sighs> I think it's a so what to the West Virginia fan and player. <laughs> the That's whole the game is wow. Yes. Holy cow! So.
0: Well, there you have it. Let's just move on in the <laughs> side, right, please.
2: A report has found Yankee Stadium to be the worst Major League ballpark when it comes to levels of food violations.
3: Yes, and where they're having the ACC tournament this year in Charlotte is the worst in the country for all sporting arenas.
2: Oh, no. Now what,
3: now what,
0: what are the, the factors by which we determine this? It's Cleanliness health
3: inspections. Health code violations. I, I talked about this yesterday a little bit. Only nine of the hundred and thirty. Uh, arenas had worse uh, reviews yeah. than the community they're in, but the ones that did were, woo, like the Yankee Stadium. And
0: so we're just talking because of how many rats are in there. And not all just things.
3: people not ha- wearing gloves, oh, okay. storing stuff in the wrong spot, beer dripping Bad beer lines, you know, just gross stuff. People are
2: all phoning in their jobs at cleaning. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. stuff
3: you don't want to know when you're eating food. How terrifying. Although I can't stop reading food, restaurant, like the, the health inspections. It's one of my favorite Why would reads. you do that to yourself? It just makes me not go to the places. It's yeah, but good. what if it's
2: a place you love? Like then got I stop rep- going. Oh,
3: no. Which you know isn't true because one of my favorite, my, one of my daily stops has failed, yeah, and you and keep, I, going? And I keep going
2: because your mind, you're like, well, they definitely cleaned it up now. So, like, now and they're it on Never the killed me
3: before. Yeah, never Not killed you before. Build up an immunity.
2: Uh, DJ Durkin has been hired as a consultant at Alabama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> TJ Durkin, there's a giant name in sports. Uh, yes, yeah, so what? Okay.
2: Uh, in the year 2019, it, it, it is expected. That Las Vegas is really going to put a push on getting an MLB team. Vegas has hockey; they've got football now, and now they want a baseball team. And baseball is the last kind of holdout. They're very nervous. So, what determines? To what are the
0: two determining factors uh, behind uh, any franchise moving to a city? Do well, you
2: know? it, the the they. Oh, well, I can only tell you what Bud Selig has said in Kay. the past that he doesn't don't, like the idea of gambling said. and players being able to throw games and whatnot. No, no, what are the
0: determining factors by which a city gets a team? I don't know. Can the city? support in numbers the attendance minimums that they expect for the team. So Portland has, look at there's a perfect small small market. They have one team. They have a basketball team. They have the Trailblazers. Otherwise, they have other professional teams that aren't the major league level um, because the theory in baseball and the, and, and the weather and everything up there is that they could not support, nor could they support an NFL team. Seattle, which has a much larger population, Portland is like a half a million. Seattle's a million something. So they have the numbers too. And the other factor is, does somebody up there have the money and the interest to do it? Because it costs a lot of money to do this. You got to build a stadium. You got That's taxpayer dollars usually. Or do you have a big company up there like in Portland would be Nike? Or uh, um, Intel is out of Portland. So those two converging. Phil Knight decides he wants a, b- a baseball team. They could probably do it. Now Vegas has a plethora of money. They got a lot of money. And they've got a huge amount of people that fluctuate, so their games on the weekends are going to cream it because the hotels are going to buy up all the tickets. So logically, they've got hockey. They've now got the Raiders coming there. And they've got uh, a baseball team. They'll get it. They'll definitely get it. They, they meet the criteria. They can fill a stadium, and they have people out there that have a vested interest in a stadium being built. And the, and the football team and the baseball team will share the stadium. It's going to happen. I, I guarantee it.
3: You're going to sit in a Vegas game and— 10,000 degree heat. And watch a game. And yet
0: there's people in Las Vegas, one of the most flourishing businesses uh, out there are golf are golf courses. They have beautiful golf courses that they keep lush and green at a huge premium expense because they're in the desert and they, and the water is hard to come by. And they drill way, way down and they get the water to come up. And they, and, they, and they do. They kill it out there. So if you'll go play five hours walking or in a golf cart, swinging a golf club, yes, you'll sit for three and watch a baseball game. For they'll, sure. They'll put all the seats in the shade and everything. Yeah, and, they'll ha- and they'll have a huge, well, watch, they'll have a huge, you're right, They'll have a huge uh, those suites available that you can pay a premium for for sure. The the it. the guy, the main investor, trying
3: to get baseball in Vegas is saying to build a stadium near or on the strip will cost three million to ten million dollars an acre.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's in the desert. Okay, they won't build it right on the strip.
3: Yeah, they'll just they'll just they bust people out there. Why do they have to? Because it's if you don't look at this town, if you don't build the. Stadium downtown, no one goes. No, that's not going to happen too, trust me. Nobody's going off the, especially tourists, they're not leaving the strip. You go watch a baseball game. <laughs> Give me a break.
2: All right, and finally, more than a quarter of people suggest that Santa Claus should be gender neutral. No! <laughs> oh, I hate this.
3: Wow. What did we do? I know, what happened? What happened? Santa Claus has a crank. Oh, my God. He'll stuff Jeez. your stocking.
2: Twenty-seven percent of respondents said they prefer Santa to either be a woman or gender neutral.
3: No, if it had to be rebranded, it doesn't have to be. Why do we have to rebrand him? Him? I don't. I don't. I, hey, listen. I don't oh, know. I'm irate right now. I, I
2: knew it would get you going. I don't. was trying to bring you. Go, bring
3: Santa you. is a man. All right. Like his <laughs> cookies and milk, putting presents under the tree, okay. stuffing stockings. Okay. It's what he does. It's a so what Then I take it? No, it's not a so what.
0: We're losing control in this world. Yeah, it's gotten out of hand. It's it's gotten out of hand. So what? It's sad. It's sad to me. It really is. He's a jolly
2: old Saint Nick. Yes. Who did this? They they asked 400 people between the ages of 18 to 25. They're 400 idiots. 18 to 25 year olds. Oh, of course. (laughs) Grandpa's upset. (laughs) Of course. So on, is brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub and Camillus, all the NFL and they SU action no. oh, wow. on the television. We will come back, obviously, and talk to your friend, Jerry McNamara.
0: Coach Mack next.
1: This is the Daniel Baldwin Show.
0: Welcome back to the big show and sitting in with a surprise guest, winner of the danceathon many years <laughs> ago in PA, Coach Mack. Gentlemen, Co- what how what's happening, doing? Coach Mack? This McNamara? is where the
4: magic happens, huh? This is
0: it. This is where it happens. This, this
4: is the, mole, the mole's corner over there. Th-
0: yeah, this is where we try to keep the mole where I can reach him <laughs> with a good left. This is the fountain of misinformation. Wow, <laughs> he burrows we- himself <laughs> into the corner over there. Listen, I learned a long time ago: if you can't come up with a stat that's relevant, make it up. <laughs> yeah, simple. make it up. Let's go right to it. I know you're really, really busy. I got to ask you about something. So I do not have anywhere near your knowledge of basketball and everything, but I, I'm a student and I like to learn when I when I can. It seems to me, and I'm going to go right to the to the UConn game. I looked at a chart of where they made their threes from, and they literally made eight threes within six nine feet of each other mm-hmm. on, the, on the on the on the right side uh, of the of the court. What is the uh, we have this zone that's legendary, um, and and it's amazing how it squeezes the opponent uh, into taking bad shots. Is there something that happens when we start getting burned from a certain spot or an area that is supposed to happen with the zone or take me through that. Cause I, I,
4: I think, I think the one thing that people probably don't understand as far as the, the zone is considered is, is coach has done a great job over the years of changing it, of morphing it and being able to adapt in game. I think the one thing, especially late, you know, I'm sitting there during the Connecticut game and I'm thinking, what, why aren't we guarding this guy? But I didn't realize until, because it was on the far end of how, Incredibly deep, some of the shots were. I mean, L3 Gilbert's shot was you know, four feet behind the NBA line. Now, the one thing that we always do is we have a pretty extensive personnel scouting report. So, you know, you have to play different percentages. For instance, the Northeaster game, when you're facing the local kid, Jordan Rowland, who's a terrific scorer and terrific shooter, you elevate the zone. You know, you're constantly aware of where this guy is. Now, going into the UConn game, I thought early on we gave up too many high post touches, which led to kick out threes, which is a different type of three if you're getting them from just passing around the perimeter where the forwards have to be elevated and take that shot. So I think the one thing that hurt us in that game particularly was the, the first few we gave up were uncontested shots. Now, if you're talking about the zone, when we give up contested shots, were terrific. And early on, I felt like because we gave up a few uncontested, now the comfort level's there. And when you're uncomfortable in our zone, like we saw, like we did to Jordan Rowland, because we targeted him. Um, when we didn't target early in the Connecticut game, there was a sense of comfort. And I think when you're extending the zone late, you know, when you're taking a little bit more comfortable shots, it's a little bit easier to make them. And I think that was kind of the case in the Yukon game. Well, I likened
0: it to the, you know, uh, and I gave a, a layman's. Um, uh, interpretation of it. You know, when you go down to the Y and you pick up, and now I'm no longer one of the first couple of guys picked. I'm 58 <laughs> years old, so they go, okay, I'll take the old guy. You know, versus Squeaky who can barely tie sure, his shoes. Yeah. You know, that's where I get in now. And uh, so you get out there, and your guy busts a three. Okay. Then he busts the second one, and somebody looks, and he goes, hey, man, get out there and get a hand up on him. Yeah. By the time he hits number four, they're either going to make somebody switch or whatever. So when it happens my observation has been that that I and I don't understand the intricacies of it and you've explained it is that somehow that 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 uh, the, that zone has to stretch out to guard against and prevent when they start getting hot? Yeah. And the problem with it is, as as, a, as a, a, an amazing shooter yourself in your career, once you drop the first couple, now you'll take two steps back and Correct. let it fly yeah. because you're hot. You're, yeah. you're confident. You're in the game. You're against SU, and so boy, I I, I, I saw that, and I and I worry about an ACC play. When the guys, you know, some of the teams are that good that they're going to knock those down all the time.
4: Well, I think I, I think it's it's all again. I think a lot of it is based on the personnel. I, you know, a, a team that's in the ACC that might be ranked in the top twenty five that could end up going on and having a significantly better year than a team, for instance, like a Connecticut that beat us might not attack the zone as well as uh, as a UConn. I, you know, I think there's different things too. You know, the thing that's always scared me is when you have the best shooter at the top of the key because what that does is it elevates the guards. And once you elevate the guards, what does that do? It makes the the middle more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And now, if you make the middle you know, of any defense more vulnerable, and you get touches in the middle of a defense, you're going to obviously try to collapse a little bit. Now, the one thing that we've done a great job of over the years is if we do have to elevate from the guard positions, elevating from the center position and the forward position, so forcing teams to beat us over the top. Um, where so now you have to have the pieces of do I have the shooter up the top that's going to elevate this do- zone? Do I have an Athletic enough player that we could play behind the zone if we do elevate it, and a lot of teams don't have a combination of both. Oregon had a combination of a dinosaur on the baseline with with a bull, yeah, monster, and he played great. He played great against us. Nineteen, yeah, he played he he played a great game. Um, You know, so I think a lot of it's personnel based. Um, You know, then 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 obviously as we move forward, we'll adjust a little bit. Do we tandem the guards and have one guy target the ball and the other guy? collapse back almost like a 131 one, and and protect the high post and uh, make it a little bit more ex- less accessible um, so there's so many different ways that we try to you know morph and change and adapt to to the personnel that we're playing and um, you know I think I think New York I, I hate to say it but I think in a lot of ways was good for us I think it was a wake-up call that these guys listen everybody watched our team play last year and we made a sweet 16. Based on what we did defensively, and I think we lost sight in stretches of that in New York, and it was a great indicator for us of we need to get back to what we do great, which is defend the basketball on the you know in our zone. And since then, we've we've been I I think you know much more effective in stretches.
0: Last qu- last question, uh, and then I know Paulie has something too. Um, so I come from that school of when I watched you play and previous to your career, where it was Big East basketball. And the presence, particularly in in schools like Georgetown, of a big man in the middle. Um, So we've got Chuk, and he's seven foot two. Is it because it's just not going to be in his repertoire that we can get him into like a little baby hook or something offensively more than just the occasional alley-oop, which is great to have two or three times a game? But you know, the idea of getting the ball down in the paint and then kicking it out, or having him have some type of a shot in there, and I just don't. See, I want to come down to practice and beat the crap out of him a couple times.
4: <laughs> we have to utilize him a little bit more. I think a lot of times, though, to be honest with you, we've missed him a couple times. I thought O'Shea, um, you know, last game found him on that great bounce pass underneath. Yeah, the uh, th- there's opportunities for us to to in- involve Pascal. Um, there's opportunities for us to involve Barama. Um, I I think we've missed him a couple times, uh, but again, you know, when you're a big guy, you have to demand the basketball, and when you're that type of target, a seven foot target, you have to make yourself available. So, uh, I think I think it's about fifty fifty. I think there's opportunities where Pascal needs to to be hurt, you know, and you do that by by making yourself big. You do that by showing your hands, showing people I'm here, I'm open. It's the same thing defensively. Am I going to show my hands and let you know you don't have this passing angle? Um, You know, you have to make yourself available offensively. um, And we have to do a better job. I think there's multiple times we've watched a little bit of film from the guard spot where we get in the paint. He's a big target. And if you put it up near the rim, he's going to go get it and finish. He's done a better job of that. We saw that late in the Georgetown game. Mm -hmm. You know, Coach, we we talked about the one-two-two-three quarter court pressure in practice. And we talked exactly how we wanted to attack it. And we did it the exact way that Coach drew it up in the crucial time we were down three, we break the press, we get it to Tyus in the middle, he goes down and throws the lob to Pascal. So um, he's back there. He's a big target. We're going to have to obviously, you know, as we move forward, we're going to have to incorporate him because we do have a a third, fourth scoring option. You know, Frank's going to come around hopefully where he had the three guys last year offensively. Now you have Elijah, you know, you have Marek, guys that have have proved that they could score as well. And if we get some opportunities, you know, to score from the five position as well, well, we'll you know, we'll be pretty dynamic on the offensive end. You talked
3: about how last year the zone got you to the Sweet 16. From a fan perspective, is it false expectations or is it something in reality right now that we all thought that the offense was going to be way better this year with what was coming in and who was staying? And it seems to, uh, to the average fan that it's a lot like last year where the scoring sometimes a struggle for this team.
4: Well, yeah, in stretches. And I, I think the big thing is you look at what we're capable of. I don't think we were capable of scoring 50 points in a half last year. I mean, yeah. <laughs> realistically, I mean, we, you know, I think this team, but the difference is was, it, was our pace. Um, I, I, I think, don't forget, you have the situation we were in last year was six guys, uh, with Brahma essentially being ineffective because of injury. So we were rolling with six guys, and Matt Moyer had hurt his ankle for a stretch. That you know, that was another, another blow for us. So I think when you when you talk about guys like Tyus, Frank, Pascal, O'Shea, guys that played a lot of minutes last year, is they played at a certain pace. So now we're trying to change the pace of play because we do have bodies, we do have a backup point guard, we do have other shooting guards that we can bring in. So the pace of play for us is big. It's not just necessarily scoring in transition but it's also pushing in transition to get into your offense out of it. And we've worked a lot on that. I, th- I think the, the – Ge- I thought New York was great for us defensively. I think the Georgetown game was great for us offensively because it was our pace. Our pace changed things for us. And uh, this past week we've worked quite a bit on that and working on our pace of getting the ball up the court, trying to push and initiate our offense and get into things quicker. Because when we work in pace and we work in space – This team is really good at driving the basketball. So if you're working at pace and you have the spacing aspect and now you drive it, well, now you have some of those open kickouts. And don't forget, like even in the Georgetown early on, when I got the stat sheet, I mean, you could sit there and say that we weren't great offensively. We didn't shoot great. We were four for 22 when I got the stat sheet. And I'm thinking to myself, well, 18 of the 22 shots that I can remember were good looks. And I thought Jalen Carey, when he got in, did a great job of touching the paint and kicking out for open shots. Now, if we can create those shots, we feel good. I mean, then it's a make-or-miss game. And if you're not making them, obviously your offense is going to struggle. But when you make them, the offense can flourish. And we saw a little bit in the second half. We go 7 for 14 from the 3, and everything changes. It wasn't necessarily the d- difference in quality of look. I think it was difference in pace. We played faster, and now the step-in shots were a little bit more comfortable.
3: And famously... Bay, uh, coach Beheim told us post game. He said to Tyus, "Hey, if you're gonna play like this, you shouldn't have come back." Um,
4: <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's exactly of, what he, kind of he love, said. He sugarcoats things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah. That's you exactly what, How what do you he really said. Feel?
3: You know, you shouldn't have come back if you're gonna play like this after the first half of the Georgetown game, and that really sparked him.
4: Yeah, he. It was great. You know, I, he, he was coming off the court, and and coach. You know, <coughs> clear as day, said right to him, "You can't score against these guys." And Ty said, "Well, I'm going to score. Watch, I'm, I'm going to score." So is it. Was just, you know, he he's great. He's he's a good. He understands when to push people's buttons. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show.
0: Going to joshie. Yeah, you're pointing the weight on it.
2: Waiting. Daniel Baldwin is making your holiday season easier this year and hooking you up with a chocolate pizza from the Chocolate Pizza Company. Caller 5 right now at 315-437-7644. That is 315-4ESPN44. You will get a chocolate pizza courtesy of the Chocolate Pizza Company. Get your pizza and other sweets right now at chocolatepizza.com. I'll even throw in some crunch
3: tickets for you, too.
2: And some crunch tickets at
3: a, a little crunch.
0: Chocolate crunch.
2: I like it. I like all I like everything you're saying.
0: I've just got a request to do um a uh, a quatrain for Dan Levitard's birthday tomorrow.
3: And <laughs> you're doing it? I'm, well I'm uh, sell out Wow. Wow. Look <laughs> wow. how quickly
0: you go back. Let's go. Listen, how much time do we have? You
3: went running. Forrest,
0: back. get in here.
3: Why? What do we need him
0: for? We're picking, aren't we? He's yeah, we, pick got already got our picks. we don't, we, we got we don't
3: his need him. Yeah, we got him. We don't need him. Yeah.
0: Right. Forrest, get out of here. Just ahead of time. All right, let's go. Let's go into it. So uh, Texans minus six, Josh. Texans minus six against the Jets. I like the Texans. Texans for Josh. Texans. Texans for Paulie. I'm taking the Texans. Giants minus two against the Titans. I like the Titans. 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 I'm taking the Giants. Seahawks minus four against the 49ers. I like the Seahawks. I like the Seahawks. I like the Seahawks. Rams minus 11 against the Eagles. I like the Rams. I like the Eagles. I like the Eagles as well. And the Saints minus 6 at the Carolina Panthers. I like the Panthers. I like the Saints. Do
3: you believe?
1: My soul is prepared.
3: I was yours. Quatrains
1: from the Great One. What is this? It's time for Nostra Daniel.
0: In the league that takes its knees and finds its players costly fees. The MVP takes all he sees. Ten million Aranac. Go on, Drew Brees.
1: The great oh.
0: no. Wow. Uh, uh, my chest. Bully. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Pauly! <laughs> I think that's just COPD. <laughs> what,
0: what, what happened? Did I?
3: What, what, you all right, bro? Yeah, no, I, I I was. Someone take him to
2: Krauss. I was in I, I was I was in Ireland. What happened? Did I make a pick? He did.
0: Did I make a pick? Yes. What did I, What
3: happened? Uh, you picked the Saints. I think the Saints. Oh my God! I, Everything uh, on Drew Brees is what he I said. Was, I was I was transported. You were. I had a look and. See, oh, all big. right. It's frightening. That's it for but, us. No, no, we have one more quatrain. I think. We do. Oh, oh no! Oh no! Do you believe? Ice soul is prepared.
1: How's yours? Quatrains from the Great One. What is this? It's time for Nostra Daniel.
0: Half a century is his age. We celebrate him and turn the page. From all the Baldwins to you, Dan. Happy birthday. Now end the ban. Ah, what are... uh, my testicles! <laughs> <laughs> They're hurting me, Paulie. What, what, what happened? I see baby hippos everywhere. There's baby hippos. Went from they, his heart to his testicles. I got to get out of here. They were attacking me.
3: Your aching testicles? <laughs> My aching dude, testicles. Dude, we, we, we can't, I got to go long. I can't believe how fast you ran back to his arms. What you, I,
0: that's running back to his arms?
2: You said end the ban.
3: Yeah.
0: You're
2: begging for his love and forgiveness yeah, again? Yeah, you're running He was bang. an a-hole on Twitter earlier
0: this week. <laughs> yeah, but listen, 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 listen. You guys think you know better than me. Okay. You think you know better than I me. I don't think I know better no, than you. No, 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 no. Listen I don't care. What is the line on The Godfather? What is the rule of thumb? Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. If you want to be able to strike and you want to be able to hit hard... You need to be in the room. I thought you were going to say,
2: just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in.